Hello and welcome to the Renaissance Polymath. I'm your host, Toby Gagnon, and on this episode, I would like to discuss planning for retirement. Let's go ahead and get things started. Like I mentioned in the last episode, talking about financial basics, I never had a good financial mentor growing up. Because of this, I never even thought about retirement. Heck, I was in my late teens and early 20s. My life at that time was all about maximizing my paycheck each week to be able to go have fun with my friends. Things changed when I was 22, however. Uh, I had a roommate who worked for a national bank and was a few years older than me. And one night, over a few beers, he began to explain the importance of saving for retirement, and especially at a young age. It was something he was very passionate about. Uh, Later, with clear heads, he walked me through some information and scenarios that really helped me to start thinking about my future. And I'm glad he did this because I definitely don't want to work for the rest of my life. So over the course of this episode, my plan is to relive that conversation. Only this time, I get to be on the other side. So let's go ahead and dive right in. First things first, when thinking about retirement, the first question is, well, when is the best time to start? And the answer is very simple. Right now. You start for retirement right now. Doesn't matter what age you are. Right now is the best time to start. Um, Ideally, it's as soon as you turn 18 or when you get your first job. And that's because understand, I, I would encourage you, understand and research the term compounded interest. That's why it's so important to start right now, whatever age you are. And basically what compounded interest is in in layman's terms, but do your own research, basically what that means is it allows your money to make you money, right? So compounded interest allows your money to make you money. The next question is, oh my gosh, well, what type of investment accounts are there? What type of retirement accounts are there? And there are a couple. There are pre-tax and post-tax options. Those include 401ks, 403Bs, I think one's a 457. There are IRAs, whether it's before tax or after tax, um, and different things like that. There are a lot, and that's just retirement-specific accounts. You can also get into personal investment accounts that aren't specifically tied to retirement. And what I mean by that is like an investment account through your financial institution or something like that where you invest in the stock market or in bonds or whatever, and we'll get to that. So pre-tax, post-tax, 401k, 403bs, 457s, I think that's what they're called, IRAs, all that kind of stuff is available to you from a retirement standpoint, and then outside of retirement specifically, you could get into personal investment accounts. All right, so third is what options do I have within those account types? So let's start with personal investment accounts and just a traditional savings account. Savings account uh, accounts, of course, are good because that allows you to have that rainy day fund like we talked about in the last episode. But the average rate of return for a savings account is 0.04%. So 0.04% is your average rate of return on a savings account, which is why on a monthly statement or whatever, you might see the bank added one penny to your account because everything rounds up. The next option could be a CD. A CD is not a compact disc, by the way. Look that up. 
Uh, but basically the average rate of return for a CD is about 0.3%. So it's significantly better than a savings account, but we're still not even at 1%. We're at a third of 1% right now. The next I would say you could look at would be bonds. Bonds, your average rate of return on a bond, a government bond, is somewhere around 5%. You can find some that are a little bit higher, maybe some that are a little bit lower that are more stable, but basically a bond, you're going to average right around 5%. So already, we are almost 100 times better, we're over 100 times better than a traditional savings account. Again, savings account, average rate of return, 0.04%. A bond is 5% average. Then you could look into something like stocks. Hey, I want to trade in the stock market. Now, of course, there's going to be a lot of volatility here, and I'm not going to get into any kind of specifics. But for traditional long-term stocks that are uh, not high performers, but stable performers, your average rate of return is somewhere around 10%. That is just a super off-the-wall number. Uh, based on a million different factors. Of course, risk is involved here and all that kind of stuff, but your average rate of return for a stock is somewhere around 10%. Same thing with a mutual fund. A mutual fund is basically just a bunch of blended stocks um, that is run or managed usually by an account or an equity of some kind. But a mutual fund, your average rate of return is somewhere around that 10% mark as well. So you see stocks and mutual funds are kind of the same because a mutual fund is just basically a bunch of stocks. So, so much better than just a traditional savings account. And then I guess the, the last one that I didn't talk about is money in the mattress. If you have money in the mattress and you think that that's going to be good, I strongly encourage you to get that money out from underneath your mattress and at the very least go put it in a savings account so you can get a 0.04% return. But consider a CD, a bond, maybe investing in some stocks or maybe some mutual funds. So the next thing when thinking about retirement is understanding age and risk. Generally speaking, the older you are, the more secure you will want your investments to be because you don't want high risk stuff as you're nearing the time when you want to try to pull that money out. If you think back to the recession, 2007-ish, people lost a lot of money. And it could have been that they were invested poorly. They were invested maybe with too much risk. But at that time, it was just, it was a whole thing. And there really wasn't much that a lot of people could do about it. So understand risk in age and how that works. However, when you're younger, you can have a higher risk because typically higher risk yields higher returns, right? High risk, high reward, low risk, low reward. That's kind of a thing in the, in the market too. But understand that higher risk obviously means you could lose it too. The reason you in, invest in a higher risk when you're younger and not when you're older is because when you're younger, you have more time to recover should something bad happen. So higher risk usually when you're younger and as you age, you lower that risk accordingly. And mutual funds, ones with like a retirement day, like a 2060 fund or a 2050 fund, those are designed, because they're managed, they're designed to automatically adjust that risk. So as that date nears, as that 2050 or 2060 date nears, those mutual funds will automatically adjust its blend of risk, and it will manage that risk basically for you, so to speak. So mutual funds can be really good. However, personal investments, if you're investing personally, 
you are going to need to make these adjustments manually. So keep that in mind. Understanding age and risk. The older you are, the more stable you're going to want your money generally. All right, let's talk about how much should I be saving for retirement? The answer is as much as you can possibly afford up to any government limits. And then even beyond that, you can go into personal investment accounts. So basically as much as you can afford. The federal government, I'm going to speak specifically to the United States. The federal government puts a cap on the amount you can contribute. For instance, in 2021, you are allowed to contribute pre-tax $19,500 to a 401k. If you are age 50 or older, you're allowed to invest or contribute an additional $6,500. So $19,500 if you're age 49 or younger, and $26,000 if you're age 50 or older. For a Roth IRA, R-O-T-H, Roth IRA, those limits are $6,000 if you're 49 or younger, and $7,000 if you're 50 or older. Basically, the older you are, they give you some quote-unquote catch-up time. They call it a catch-up, um, not the thing you put on your fries, but catch-up. And what that allows for is the ability to kind of make up for any investments that you didn't do in your younger years. So $19,500 for a 401k if you're 49 or younger, and an additional $6,500 if you're 50 or older uh, pre-tax. And I recommend maximizing any pre-tax contributions you are allowed when possible because this actually reduces the amount of tax you owe the IRS at the end of the year because it lowers what's called your adjusted gross income or your AGI. So if you look at a paycheck, you'll see uh, you know, federal taxable wages, and that may differ from your gross income. So let's kind of put this into perspective. If you make $50,000 a year in 2021, $50,000 in 2021, the amount you will owe the IRS is $8,140 in tax if you don't make any 401k contributions. However, if you maximize your 401k contributions, let's assume you're 49 years old or younger, so if you put $19,500 of that pre-tax directly into your 401k, that lowers your adjusted gross income to 31000 or sorry, $30,500, and that changes the amount of tax you pay to the government. It's only $5,800 at that point. So $8,140 if you make your full $50,000, or if you contribute $19,500 to a 401k, that tax amount is lowered to $5,800. So basically, you're saving, in the essence, $2,300 that you don't have to pay to the government right now. You put it pre-tax into a 401k, and then that money you'll eventually get taxed on when you take it out. There are calculators available. Um, I would say through your employer would be the first place I would start. But if not there, you can look at something like bankrate.com, B-A-N-K-R-A-T-E.com. Those are ones that I like because you can completely customize things. It's not They're not trying to necessarily sell you anything. It's just a simple calculator that you can use. I recommend using them because an increase in contribution to a 401k or an IRA doesn't necessarily mean your paycheck will be changed by that amount. So if you contribute an additional $100 into a 401k, let's say, for instance, 
your paycheck isn't necessarily going to be reduced by $100. It might only be reduced by $80 or $85. You should look at that. Use the calculator. And these calculators allow the ability, allow you the ability to calculate things like inflation rates, your monthly needs when you retire, uh, the beginning age you plan to draw from this account, this 401k account, your life expectancy, i.e. how long are you going to live? If you start drawing at 65, are you only drawing until you're 85 or 95 or 105? You can completely customize all that. And these calculators will show you, basically, they'll give you a grade. How good are you doing? A, B, C, D, uh, good, bad, poor, that kind of thing. So let's do some hypothetical scenarios and we're going to assume a couple things. So I've, I've done these calculators. I've, I've put a bunch of numbers into it. And I want to share some of these with you to really drive home why it's important for you to invest and invest as much as you can. So the, these hypothetical scenarios, we're going to make a couple of assumptions. Number one, we're going to assume a blended return rate of 6%. And the average rate of return in the market is between 5 and 8%. So we're going to stay right at 6%. We're going to stay on the kind of the lower third of that. And we're also going to make the assumption that your employer will match 50% up to 6%. You probably see this in some of the uh, the documentation you get from your employer. They'll say, oh yeah, we contribute to your 401k. We will match 50% up to 6% or, or 30% up to 4%, whatever that is. We're going to assume they're going to match 50% up to 6%. So let's go ahead and look at some of these numbers right now. All right, in our first scenario, we are going to make the assumption that we are a 22-year-old and we make $30,000 per year. And we're not ever going to get another raise. We're going to make $30,000 a year from the time we're 22 until the time we're 65 when we're going to start pulling this out. If we contribute 5% every year to our 401k and our employer matches 50% up to 6%, we will have a balance of $435,481 by the time we're 65. If we change that amount to 10%, we will have $754,835. So the difference between 5% and 10% is over $300,000. Again, that is making $30,000 a year with no raises. We're going to make 30, 30 grand uh, from the time we're 22 until the time that we die. So let's take another age and another income level. Let's assume we're now 32 years old and we're making $50,000 a year. If we start with a zero balance in our 401k and we start contributing when we're 32 and we start contributing at a rate of 10% a year, we will have $653,115 by the time we're 65. If we contribute 15% instead of 10%, we will have $904,308 by the time we're 65. So there's two numbers here I want you to think about. If we go back to when we were 22, contributing uh, 10%, we were at about three quarters of a million dollars, 754000 That same 10%, waiting 10 years to start, waiting until we're 32 to start, that same 10%, we're over $100,000 less and we're contributing more money, mind you. We're contributing 10%, but we're contributing 10% of 50,000 or five grand a year versus 10% of 30,000 or three grand a year. So really, it the longer you wait, the tougher it is to build that balance. 
as you get older, right? And the reason for that is compounded interest, which is what we talked about before. Have your money make you money. Okay, now let's assume we are 42 years old. We're just starting saving for retirement. We make $75,000 a year. If we contribute 15% of our paycheck, and again, we have no raises, we are going to make $75,000 from the time we're 42 to the time we're 65. If we contribute 15% of our paycheck, we will have a balance of $654,880 by the time we turn 65. Now, that number is barely over the 10% number when we were 32, making 50 a year. If we contribute 20% of our paycheck from the time we're 42 until the time we're 65 at $75,000 a year with no raises, our balance will be $836,791. If you remember back to when we were 32, contributing 15% at 50 a year, we were over $900,000. So there's a difference there of about 70 grand by waiting 10 years and we're having to contribute more. If you think about uh, everything being equal, if you were making $50,000 a year and didn't start until you were 42, then obviously that number would be much, much lower. All right, so that is if we just do 5, 10, 15, or 20%. Let's talk about raises. So let's go back to we're 22 years old, making $30,000 a year. If we contribute 20% of our paycheck and we get a 3% raise every year, our balance at age 65 will be $2,062,115. So that's 20%. Mind you, 20% of 30,000 is only six grand, right? Which equates to about $500 a month or $250 a paycheck if you get paid twice a month. You're looking at a $2 million balance by the time you're 65 if you contribute 20% of your salary. Same scenario, 20% with a 3% salary increase every year. Now we're 32 years old, making $50,000 a year. That number goes from 2 million down to $1,653,993. So we're barely at $1.65 million versus $2.06 million. So we lost almost a half a million dollars by waiting 10 years, and now we're making more money. So even if you make a very small amount of money, let's say when you're 22, right out of college, you get your first job, you make $30,000 a year, which equates to about 15 bucks an hour. If you contribute even 6% or even 5%, you're already ahead of the game. 5% of 30 grand is is $1,500 a year, which over 12 paychecks, if you get paid once a month, is just over $100 or every paycheck you're looking at about 50 bucks. I'm pretty sure when I was 22, I could have done with 50 less dollars per paycheck. Again, assuming everything is equal. All right, now I'm really going to blow your mind. If I am contributing the absolute maximum the government allows, well, almost the maximum, we're going to go with $19,000 even. Again, the limit right now is $19,500 with a makeup, with a catch-up. If I'm 22 and I contribute $19,000 a year, the maximum, until I retire, I will have a balance of $4,606,744, approximately. $4.6 million if you contribute the maximum. Now, that's basically over half your salary. It's like 64% of your salary when you're 22, making $30,000 a year. But you can see how that changes. I I just went from 
$2 million to more than double that at $4.6 million. If I wait until I'm 32 to start contributing to my 401k, but I contribute at $19,000 a year until I retire, I will have a balance of $2.3 million, $2,341,533. That is a significant difference. That's literally half of what I would have had had I started at age 22, contributing the same amount. So 10 years, cut my number in half. Now, I'm 42 years old, I'm making $75,000 a year, and I am going to contribute the absolute maximum I can with the catch-up once I turn age 50. If I do that, if I wait till I'm 42 to start contributing, I will only have $1,159,671. So basically 1.2, just shy of $1.2 million. I went from 4.6 if I started at age 22 down to 1.2, under 1.2, by waiting 20 years. So all of those numbers that I just read, those hypothetical scenarios, all of that was basically to put into perspective everything that we just talked about. So to summarize what we talked about, when is the best time to start? Right now. Absolutely right now. Uh, What type of investment account should I use? Anything you'd like. Maximize whatever you can, right? Anything you'd like. But I recommend start with a 401k, especially if your employer will match anything, because that's free money, basically, that you get. Um, Options, right? You've got savings account, CDs, bonds, stocks, mutual funds. There are a ton. Do your research. Understand age and risk. As you get older, consider putting your money into more uh, stable funds, less risky funds. And then how much should you be saving for retirement? Quite frankly, the answer is as much as you can possibly afford. Use the calculators that you find either through your employer or online. Calculate what you can realistically afford to contribute and contribute that much. The more, the better. So that about wraps up this episode, but I would encourage you to do your own continued research and education. I'll make sure to link in the show notes all of the things I talked about in this episode. On the next episode, I'll be discussing home ownership. If you have any feedback, please feel free to send me an email at podcast at therenpo.com. That's T-H-E-R-E-N-P-O.com. I would also appreciate it if you left a review wherever you podcast. That helps this show be discoverable to others and helps me understand where things can be improved. Don't forget to subscribe and auto-download new episodes so you don't miss any of the future topics. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.